Welcome to the Cal Park Bros podcast hosted by Terrence and Jason. The bros just want to wish you all a safe and happy 4th of July weekend. Make sure you come out of the weekend with the same amount of fingers you went into it with. Hashtag no nubs. Welcome to the Cal Park Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in for the Batcave in Indianapolis. Jason, now you my good man. I'm pretty good, man. Hey, we had a pretty good time before we started this. I think the orange shirts are kind of making you in a better mood, frankly. That's just my personal opinion. But with that being said, we have three great topics this week, as always, and I'm definitely ready to get into it. Okay. Thank you for listening. This is episode 63 of the Calpart Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Calpart Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly podcast for fans of sports, current events, and entertainment. And as always, we are your hosts, Terrence and Jason. And every single Thursday, we come to you with a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the ones we loathe. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. And folks, for more Cal Park Bros content, make sure you connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok under the handle Cal Park Bros or Cal Park Bros Podcast for more, more behind the scenes of the show and just to engage with us every single day. But do not forget that the Cal Park Bros Podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you, your friends, your neighbors, your folks, your people, everybody you know, listens to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? Folks, like Terrence said earlier, we are the podcast to hear and watch. So make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing it. Okay, let's get into it. Um, as Jason mentioned, we had a gang of laughs uh, prior to uh, kicking off the show. And that's because mainly, ain't a lot of shit to laugh about this week. Um, And I maybe I picked a good time to kind of... um. Go on Facebook hiatus <laughs> uh, because I was paying attention to the news cycle. This this played out fairly predictably, predictably with Roe versus Wade. Okay, the the writing has been on the wall pretty much since Donald Trump took office. With every retiring judge, the new judge tries to give the implication that, oh, no, I would never overturn Roe v. Wade, ignoring the fact their entire, you know, history as a judge says otherwise, that they were absolutely going to vote for that sort of thing. All these conservative-ass judges, Donald Trump put into office, and I know this segment is really about Roe v. Wade, um, and I feel like us as a country, that's typically all we actually pay attention to, ignoring the fact there's a lot of other federal judges that Donald Trump got to a point, or any president gets to a point, for that matter. 
but you don't really hear about that because it hasn't doesn't have the same level of uh doesn't have the same weight and this played out fairly predictably um it was only a matter of time before this 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 current currently constructed supreme court finally removed the veil and said okay Roe v. Wade's out of here. It's toast. And that's 50 years of basically uh, protection. Um, Federal protection, mind you, uh, of a right to to an abortion. And I know, guys, that gals, non-binary, that why, yes, you do yet have two motherfuckers with a penis yet again offering their two cents on this. But we're, I, I say we, I'm approaching this from the perspective of, yes, we know that. And I'd almost rather approach it from the perspective of, of course this happened. All the signs were there that it was going to happen. Now what? <laughs> so those are some of my preliminary thoughts, Jason, what, 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 are you, what are your some of your feelings? So the first thing I, I do want to point out to everybody, because I feel like Initially, people might not have been aware, some maybe more aware now. But what the Supreme Court did, they didn't ban abortions themselves. They basically, essentially, long story short of it, put it back in the hands of each individual state. Like terrorists love to say, states' rights, states' rights. You know, So basically, each individual state now can make their own decisions about what they choose to do for their state. And not surprisingly, like, that, like Terrence said, Shortly after the news came out that they, you know, put it back in the hands of the states, several states started to jump into action to say, okay, now we now that we can, we're going to look into taking action to do this. So some states already had some stuff in place. Some, you know, may not decide to do anything. Um, and that's really really what's gonna be really interesting because I believe over half the states in the in the in the nation either are gonna have uh bands already in place, or they're looking to do something in the future to have it done. I think 26 states in total, I believe, is what the number was. So a little more than a half. Um, just for perspective, Illinois, Blagojevich has already said they have no plans at all on ever placing any restrictions on abortion. You said Blagojevich, but I'm pretty sure you meant Pritzker. Yeah. My bad, folks. You know, you know what it is. Yeah, Pritzker. Exactly. Indiana is a different situation, different story. They are going to move forward with it. Nothing in place yet. And we can, I can go more into about what states are doing what, but it's and it's very interesting what each state has decided in regards to the ones that already have something in place. But that's also going to be possibly a problem too, because basically you're almost going to have, well, I wouldn't say 50 different states having 50 different laws and rules in place for whatever they're going to do, whether whether you allow it or not, or they ban it, but ban it up to a certain time frame is it only allowed for for this allowed for that whatever it is and we're going to see continue to see people traveling out of state to get their abortions done so that's another point i have to say that this isn't going to stop people from getting abortions legally or otherwise and unfortunately i have to say the otherwise is of course going to be the concern because if you live in a state where it's banned and aren't able or don't want to travel out of state to get one what are you going to do now, obviously, it's not going to be, I'm going to say this for everybody, but there are going to be, uh, be people who seek out the, we'll say, not legal abortions, but the unsafe ones, those back alley doctors, as they say, you know, 
Now, I know, I, so that's a concern. Well, obviously, well, each day I have to keep an eye on that and be aware of what they're going to do. But those are kind of my initial thoughts there. And obviously, all the protests, which you, you knew were going to happen. Um, and I say protests, I mean, I mean protests, folks, when it comes to people out there voicing their opinions, not doing anything illegal, whatnot. I know there's a certain side of the political specter that want to put all of it on, you know, on the other side. But one other thing, and I'll let you jump back in, that I found really interesting is that the response that I saw from social media, now when I say social media, I mean the people that I actually know, the women. And when I say women, I mean women on both sides of the political spectrum, those who vote one way, those who vote another. I surprisingly didn't see any females in support of this. Now, obviously we know there are plenty, yeah, there's many women out there who are, which is what it is. And I, I pretty much know why, but I was just very surprised at that, that in the people that I know, the hundreds of people that I know, hundreds of women that I know on both political sides, none of them were in favor of this, you know? So those are my initial thoughts and I have several more, but I want to hear what else you got to say. Um, well, one thing I thought of is that, so basically having 50 different answers to how, how, um, uh, a woman's right works out so well, right? Because it works out so well for gun control, right? I mean, obviously, Indiana's answer to uh, to uh, gun control does you know does wonders for what's going on in Illinois, right? Well, I mean that that goes in what I was saying too. People are going to travel out of state to get abortions, and if you're in Indiana or the other states around Illinois that I'm going to go into later. Easy trip to Illinois, boom, and you're good. So I mean, people are gonna get them no matter what. So it's not gonna happen in that state. Yeah, Jason, the, the, I think what a lot of proponents of abortion rights in the first place is that the whole idea is to make it as difficult as possible for women to get the procedure, um, and then taking into account that many women. Who who do who may be of modest means means, you know, we're not talking about someone who may have ample access to resources, you know, can take a week off, fly out to one to one of the few states and where 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 it's still legal, hundred percent. We're talking about people that might be struggling financially. They may not want to have a child for financial reasons. Hell, if somebody is somebody who's about to put put a kid through college, I, 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 I get the financial impact. What well, you know, you know, and the 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 oppose the opposers of abortion are so fixated on the right to life, but they don't want they're not gonna step in and say, okay, I'll take care of that baby. I'm that baby's daddy. Shout out to life. I knew you were going to say that. Or as Chris Rock would say, they want them to grow up so that we can kill them. You know, the whole right to life campaign, it's a little shaky for me. If you're if you're pro-life, fantastic. No one's trying to say that you 
can't take your baby to term. You trying to have a say over every damn body. Which makes you just as bad as the feds. Now, Jason, you had mentioned um, something about the logistics of the states in which you, you can still get an abortion. Yeah, before going to that, I, I want to mention one thing. You mentioned about right to life and stuff like that. One of my uh, friends did mention a very interesting point. <clears throat> is that when it comes to, and I know it's different aspects, but that they mentioned that when it comes to filing your taxes, you can't claim an unborn child born unborn child because the IRS says you can't do that because it's not a person. But yet, you know, right to life. Okay. And then also too, I hearken back again, hearken to people that always say, what laws do we have that govern men's reproductive situations with their bodies? Which are basically none. Again, we'll go more than that later or some other time, but but to answer your question, yes. So as of right now, there are 20 states that it's projected that they're, they don't have anything in place for restrictions on abortion, and they're not going to. Again, I mentioned Illinois is one of them. You can imagine some of the other ones, California, Washington, uh, Oregon as well, uh, Montana, shockingly, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, so kind of in that area there. Really where you see the big concentration of states to where either it's banned now or they're going to have it banned, as you can imagine, is that southeast corner and kind of coming up to like Kentucky and stuff like that. Um, and like you mentioned, as far as traveling out of, out of, out of state to get an, an abortion, if you're going to do that, if you're in those states, you're really going to be far away from a state where you can get it. So I agree with you, what you're saying that that's going to be an op- not an option for many women because financially and logistically, it's just not possible. Yeah. From Indiana, you can always just drive to Illinois if, if you wanted to, that might make it easier, but even still, it's not a realistic possibility for you know, some women, if you can't get it done in your locale. Which was the now, point. That was the whole premise of this anyway, is to make well, it as difficult as possible uh, to, to get this sort of care. Well, that's the premise of each state. I, I'm not going to put that on the premise of the, the Supreme Court, because that's a different pers- you know, perspective. But, th- so there are, as of right now, 13 states, as of right now, that already have it banned. 13. Again, we can imagine what those are. But of those 13... I'll go ahead and name them off. Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, West Virginia, Wisconsin. And even though these last two are kind of on hold due to lawsuits, Louisiana and Utah. All those states mention specifically that there are no exceptions for rape or incest. All the states, except for West Virginia, don't mention anything about exceptions for issues with the baby itself. Like the baby is going to have life complicating issues. West Virginia is only one of those that mentioned that, that you, okay, in that situation, you can get one in that situation. All the rest of them say only in cases of complications, life-threatening issues with the pregnant person. Right. And, and I believe Utah was the only one that had exceptions for uh, rape and rape and incest. So, so very restrictive, but I want to go a little further with two states in particular, Texas and Alabama. I mentioned those are the ones that actually have it banned, but we haven't talked about the punishments that these states have for people that get abortions. Now, some of them may range from typically out to five years, 10 years, some 15. 
But Alabama and Texas, they both have felony. It's a felony and punishment up to up to ninety nine years in prison. So basically, life because you got an abortion. So there's that there, uh, and then also too, like I mentioned earlier, each state's gonna have its own restrictions when it comes to the time frame you have to get one. Uh, some states it's six weeks, some it's fifteen. You know, some it's 10, 5, 20, whatever, maybe. I think what a lot of conversations I've had with women is, is that the time frame that's not, whether what's not taken uh, in consideration is the time frame that can happen before a woman even knows she's even pregnant in the first place. Because many women have said that I didn't know I was pregnant until week four, week six, potentially as well. And if you're in a state that only has it cut off at six weeks, guess what? You're screwed. Or even if you find out in week two, week three, week four, most places you're not going to be able to get an abortion immediately. But again, doesn't matter because you had that cutoff, unless you have one of the exceptions that's allowed in your state. So, and then, like I said, those, those are 13. There's 13 others that are getting bans in place probably in the next 30 days. And that's what put it at, at that 26 number I mentioned earlier. That So more than half of the states in the country are going to have a ban of some sort. Um now there are some states that are still uncertain, so you may be able to add, you know, another five or ten to that. And they'd be looking more like 75% ish. So um, so I agree with you. Um each state's probably uh, well, I don't want to say they're trying to make it difficult for people. I'm sure they have more probably sinister reasons for that, we'll say. Uh but one thing I will say that which whether it's ill-founded or not, definitely if I'll say this, and I, I really don't care if I get in trouble for it, that essentially that if a reason for, for doing this has anything to do with religion, I think your desires for this are definitely misguided. Because they should, politics and religion, when it comes to deciding the fate, we'll say, of the people, most of which don't have a religion because they don't want to subscribe to it, shouldn't come into play. I know people are going to say, well, this isn't about religion, it's about lives of babies, blah, blah, blah. Well, so then, like I said before about the male body, should we also outlaw vasectomies? Since that's potential for life too? Just putting it out there. Again, just my opinion, not saying that's the opinion of Terrence. That's the opinion of one Jason Ross of the Galpart Bros. I'm just dude, saying that. Dude, if if we even, I'm trying, I can't even think of something that's on par with the level of overreach in vaginas that there are that could even come close to penises. We we just we just don't do it. We don't we don't we don't we don't give directives on what men can do with penises in America the way we do with vaginas in this society. We just don't. Well well we're not really technically talking about penises per se. It's really just sperm, right? So, but the point is, I was saying in that, and I think you get it. I'm just saying that if 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 life is all you know, it's all about life and the potential for life. Should we not also allow vasectomies because that sperm is it not potential for life? Does the sperm not need an egg to get to that embryo in the woman's stomach? Yes. So, so should we now expect the Supreme Court to do that? Of course not. So. <clears throat> I just find that interesting. I mean, obviously, you and I aren't females. We don't identify as females. So, 
Well, I, that is a very interesting point. While we're doing all this for abortions and because of right to life and all that stuff like that, but where's the law or whatever for vasectomies? Right to life. Yeah, or a right to lie. Sperm lives matter. No comment. Well, folks, that concludes our first segment on as yet spirited segment on Cal Fire Bros. Coming up next, we're talking about the 50th anniversary of Title IX. In a world of mayhem and carnage that somehow feels like the 1980s, with a Top Gun movie and running up that hill topping the charts, but the nostalgia does not come with. Two friends, two heroes, two bros, the Cal Park Bros rise to the challenge to bring us the much needed topics of the day. When you cannot be friends anymore on social media because of the views that you hold, the bros take up the challenge of discussing the current events of the day, whether it be sports, movies, music, television, news, etc. No politics here because this is not a political show, or so they claim. Jump in and fasten your seatbelts as the Kyle Park Bros take you on a magical journey that will have you opting in for years to come. So make sure you leave a review, give them five stars, and check them out on social media. Send Terrence and Jason your love, support, and positivity. Gentlemen, let's get this podcast rolling. See ya! Welcome back to Cal Park Bros. Jason and I are fresh off the segment dissecting the Roe versus Wade decision. And the second segment, we're going to be covering the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Uh, and Jason, I'm really glad that instead of talking about uh, individuals in our society losing rights, it's taught, Title IX is important because it talks about equality. Um, and my first thought was, do we as a society even know what Title IX is? I guarantee 90, this is my own made up percentage, but I guarantee 95% of the people have no clue what Title IX actually is or what even, even it originated as. Guarantee it. Okay. Do you mind giving a, a brief summary on what it is? Because I think I know what it is. I I think given you some of your professional background, you probably got a better handle on it than most. Sure. So basically, way back in 1972, 50 years ago, the Department of Education Office of Civil Rights realized that we need to have some stuff in the books when it comes to making sure that there's no uh, discrimination in the general realm of education. Uh, It protects people from discrimination based on sex in educational programs or activities that receive federal financial assistance. But specifically, Title IX states, and I'll read it verbatim, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. So that's what it is. Now, there's a certain word that's not in there that we're going to discuss and talk about, but that exactly is what Title IX is directly from the Department of Education. Gotcha. And thank you for that. I think it's important to kind of showcase a foundational understanding of it. When I hear about Title IX, I basically feel that it's about righting wrongs from the past because we know for a fact that when it comes to allocating resources towards women in sports, we haven't exactly done our part. We haven't put in our half as a society. And then you think about even on the collegiate level, you look at some of the weight room facilities, you look at some of these TV deals, you look at some of the, just in general, our approach to women's sports. I mean, 
the WNBA puts on an excellent product. Um, and there's definitely been a shift in terms of engagement towards that product. And I'm starting to wonder, does Title IX have any effect on that? Because, well, one, it, it takes years, decades to counteract the effects of not allocating money or allocating resources ter- towards a certain endeavor. And so that immediately made me think about Title IX. Because if you don't put towards, if you don't put money towards something and a certain group isn't getting the funding that they need, they're ne- then, then, then they're already fighting with one hand behind their back. So those are some of my initial thoughts, Jason. Um, when I was looking at um, this, when Title IX was passed in 1972 at the college level, about 0 to 2% of budgets at colleges across the country were being spent on women's sport. So basically nothing, according to Dr. Amy Wilson, director of the inclusion for the NCAA. Less than 30,000 women were playing college sports when Title IX was passed. Now we have over 220,000. So it's got to make a difference when you invest in that experience. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is you you have to document how bad it was because we have a tendency to romanticize um, um, the, the this experience, dare I say, prisoner of the moment. And and if we don't document what, what's been happening, then it'll be almost as if it didn't happen. I mean, you think about does Pat Summit become Pat Summit if they don't start putting some more money into the Tennessee program? So that's some of my preliminary thoughts, dude. You see what you did there? You see what you just did there? What did I do? The, the whole, and I get it, that whole little diatribe you went into about Title Nine. what was it focused on? It was focused on that one word that's actually not in Title Nine: Sports. Title Nine, when it was created in 72, had nothing to do with sports. Right. But that's funny. We went there. But it's funny you, you went there because that's what we think of Title IX as is today. It was based on sports when in 72 had nothing to do with that. It's all about educational opportunities and programs that receive federal financial assistance. Now, obviously, since it applies to schools that receive that federal assistance, that included universities, which since they receive the federal assistance applies to every program they offer, which include athletics. So. And obviously, since sports has grown so much in this country, for both men and women, that's where we get Title IX applied to. And I knew you were going to go there, and you did me a favor, so thank you. But yeah, folks, and that's what we're talking about earlier, is that Title IX originally has nothing to do with sports. And and really, technically, it really had nothing to do with funding either. Technically. It really just had more to do with just schools and these programs not discriminating against women when it comes to accepting them into the pro into the school itself or allowing certain women into certain programs at school. Like there's uh, there's an article from, from uh, article from uh, sports illustrated that mentions certain colleges back in the you know, 70s and before they wouldn't allow certain women at all, or a certain number of women to get into the engineering program, stuff like that. Or they might say they can actually legally say that you're too pretty to, to do something like this. Why don't you go do this? Instead, oh, I see, you know, stuff like that. So that's what Title Now is really meant for things like that. Now, obviously, you could kind of finagle that to say, yeah, go into the whole funding part of it as well. 
because keeping it on the realm, realm of sports, yes, certain schools didn't have sports for women. Or they or girls weren't allowed to participate with the boys because they were considered too weak to do these things. So even in the realm of sports, that's what it's allowed to. That no matter what, women have to be allowed to play or given the opportunity. So if you don't have a girls' team, guess what? If the girl tries out for the boys and she's good enough, you have to put her on, on the team. You can't just tell her she can't do it. But yeah, so um, and then obviously now obviously this wasn't written into the Title Line in 1972. But the Department of Education does go on to mention in the listing they have for Title IX that, of course, one of the issues, of course, now is that Title IX technically also applies to people in the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community, specifically the T part of that, the transgender. The Title IX does offer them the right to actually be able to play sports as well. Now, obviously, we know that states can do whatever they want when it comes to which sport they play, be it the men or women's sport. But... Title IX includes them as well. So I definitely want to point that out for people as well, because uh, I've seen people bring up Title IX incorrectly in the whole transgender debate about which sport they should play. And just kind of want to put out there out there that that includes allowing them to have to play as well. It doesn't determine which gender sport they play. No, but they are allowed to actually play in sports, so they can't be denied that. I do think it's interesting, too, how – um, the language has probably had to evolve over time, you know, as the LGBTQ um, community has grown in numbers. I mean, the, ultimately, the fight is about e- equality. So you can't be surprised when a new challenger, uh, shout out to Tekken or Street Fighter, um, basically says, hey, um, things aren't quite where they need to be. Things need to be evened out. And, and and the key word was opportunity. Nobody ever said they had to get a, a handout. Nobody said that they had to get, you know, a trophy. People just wanted a chance, an opportunity. And to me, it seems like the funding, I can't even divorce it from this discussion because one question I have for you, Jason, since, since you're between the two of us, I consider you to be the subject matter expert on it right now. What sort of penalties would exist for a educational entity if they didn't go with the game plan for Title IX? If you're considering consider violating that, what's the state? So, unfortunately, I'm not able to answer that. Um, I did work for the NCAA, but obviously I was not in that department, so I can't say what was or wasn't a violation. Now, I will say... We oftentimes, on the department I was in, we would take complaints from people via email or phone call that they felt like the school that they were attending or school that you know their child was attending, mostly due to athletics, obviously, that their school was violating Title IX. Now, of course, we would have to report that to our enforcement department, and they would take it from there in combination with our Title IX department, and they would take it from there. But so the punishment-wise, I, I don't know. Uh, so I, I wish I could answer that for you. I can always look it up before we get, get off this segment. But I, I definitely t- can guarantee that that was definitely looked into by the NCAA. Now, of course, obviously, you know, can't say that every call we took was, you know, or every uh, complaint we took was, was founded or grounds for actually, actually being true, but it did get looked into. So I can guarantee you that. Um, but when it... 
when it comes to funding, though, I don't know if there's really anything, as I'm looking at Title IX, technically, that really says dictates anything about you have to give equal money to men's and women's sports. Makes it well. Number one, obviously, the thirty-seven words I read earlier—that's all, all it says—is that. So now, obviously, people can bend that whatever way they want to make an argument about it at their school. Because it goes back to what I was saying: is that it's really more about the opportunity. Yes, I can, you know, have to have a basketball team for girls at my school or whatever it may be, but that 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 itself by itself, Title IX doesn't necessarily say that they have to give equal money to the men and women. I think we both know that. Hell, those reports that came out last week from the NCAA. Basically, detailing the fact that there's still a huge gap in funding when it comes to men's and women's sports. Now, I don't know how much, you know, actually, you know what, that doesn't matter at all. So, so that the gap's still there. I, I can't speak to what's going to change that, but Title IX, unfortunately, doesn't technically really address that as long as the girls are getting the same opportunities and things like that. Um, I, I know. In previous conversations, I know you mentioned the part about the, it was actually two years ago, the difference when it comes to the workout facilities at the NCAA tournaments, the men's and women's, the, uh, the men's was held, I believe, in Indianapolis where the girls, I believe, oh, yeah. me, the women's I were held in like San Antonio. Even that. that. Obviously, that was a big deal, and the NCAA called hell for it, as they should have. But even that's not technically Title IX either, technically. Um, that's just more of for lack of a better word, a dickhead move where somebody, you know, messed up there. Um, and I'm not going to say that was done purposefully, but, but, you know, it happened. It got fixed quickly, but still it happened. So, but that also goes into, you know, just when it comes to the funding and stuff like that, a lot of the pioneers of Title IX would still say that there's still work to be done, which, which, is, which, is, which is true. It's only been 50 years. But one other thing I was thinking about, too, and this takes me back to history class back in high school and eighth grade. That this town now came out in 1972, right? Women were given the right to vote in 1920. But it took 52 years after that for them to get the same equal rights when it comes to education. And that's crazy. That took 50, initial 50 years to get the, you know, basically be able to be educated the way they want, just like men. So just just from that perspective, too, you, you can definitely see how, okay, there's still ways to go. I mean, they've had the right to vote for 100 years. They only had the right to the same education for 50. <laughs> you know? Um, which that's very interesting. You know, you can always go into the history of that, but that's something I was thinking about earlier that I just found really, you know, intriguing. And definitely shout out to, again, our teachers in eighth grade at Calumet and High School of Shepherd. that I still remember that, that women had the right, right to vote in 1920. 19th Amendment, y'all. All right. Yeah, that's a, all good contacts, contacts, man. I think it's great to recognize the, the advancements that have been made, but I also think it's important to recognize um, what Title IX did, but also what it does not do. Um, because obviously we got a long way to go on that side of town. So, all right. That concludes the second segment on the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about the fact that uh, kids five and under can get the COVID vaccination. Coming up next on Cal Park Bros.
Welcome back to Cal Park Bros. Jason and I are just fresh off the segment discussing the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Third and last segment of the show, Jason and I are going to be talking about the fact that hashtag get that jab, son. Um, the moment we all been waiting for. When was the COVID vaccine going to be available to kids five and under? And in a weird way, it feels kind of understated that it's finally available because I feel like we've been waiting on this damn thing for two years. Um, by the time it's all said and done, um, there's a good chunk of us that have been vaccinated, they've been boosted, been boosted a third time. And kids, that's about two years worth of research, which means while there was a whole bunch of arguing about whether or not you should get vaccinated or not. There was a a bevy of trials on not only children, but pregnant women. Um, and now CDC says, hey, we're open for business. Um, if you happen to have a child that's ages five and under, you can get vaccinated. You can get appointments to get vaccinated. Hell, there's probably a mobile um doc in the box right now you probably get it you probably you probably get vaccinated on the way to the taste of chicago jason <laughs> um and so personally i'm relieved i've been waiting on this news for two damn years i don't even have kids that young but i know folks that, that do i know folks that still are concerned about the virus and what it might do to their young children. And so I breathe in a sigh of relief for y'all. Because I hope this gives you some, some peace, uh, some relief, some, uh, some, some hope. We desperately need it in this country. Hell, we're going to be on the verge of recession anyway. And my initial thought is that I remember when we were talking about vaccinations last summer, Jason. And I remember being frustrated that um, that if they were going to make it available to uh, school aged children, that if they're going to do that, you got to get it done before the school year starts. And it seems like this is an opportunity. It's the beginning of summer. Um, you're going to have kids that have this opportunity to be inoculated pretty much just like they have for a variety of other vaccinations before the school year begins. And I mean, the reality is every school is one big science fair project of germs. OK, so I, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm 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 relieved. And, you know, I get it. We, we, we always have this situation where people wonder, oh, was this, was this medicine rushed out? And here we are. They literally said people were begging to probably give this to their damn kids. And the CDC was like, no, no, no. It is not how you just, this, this, you're, you're not, uh, you're not pushing out uh, cars with the wheels fall off a la Toyota, you're talking about children's lives here. You probably got to do a little bit more research before you can say, okay, we are confident that 
it's that the vaccine is going to be effective for people at a certain age group. For example, you can't say something that, that that's effective for me. Let's say somebody that's 280 damn pounds versus a kid that's eight pounds, seven ounces. You dig? So I I think though that's, that's really the, the weight of my thoughts right now, man. I'm like, okay, one hand, about damn time. On the other hand, if they would have rushed it out two years ago, and God forbid there was some kid that got sick. We would have never heard the end of it. So you can't have it both ways. So, Jay, good thoughts. Before, before I go too far in, in anything you just said, one thing I do want to point out is um, as of right now, well, as of the 22nd of June on the CDC's website, just like before when we talked about it, they have a tracker to kind of keep track of how many people are vaccinated after the first dose, fully vaxxed, booster now, second booster, and the percentage of people you know, where they're at. The last time you and I talked about this, was, which was a while ago, the amount of the people that are fully vaccinated has definitely gone up. I think the last time we talked about it, they didn't even have a category for five and up. But as of, as of June 22nd, and I'll update this tomorrow, but as of June 22nd, the total percentage of people above the age of five that are fully vaccinated, not even including the boosters, but are fully vaccinated is 71%. Which a long time ago, I know you hate to talk about this, which a long time ago, though, that was a number put out there when it comes to, quote, unquote, herd immunity. So we got that number even before the five-year-olds and youngers are getting vaccinated. I'm sure that with them, they'll push it up to 75 or more, whatever. Just wanted to put that out there for information, folks. Uh, when it comes to rushing things, yes, we basically, you know, two years almost, essentially, waiting for to get to this point of the vaccine stage to get to the kids. Yeah, I know they came out with the vaccine back in January, but we had the trickle-down effects for seniors and going from there. You, you mentioned if a kid would have gotten sick, then it would have heard the end of it. Well, plenty of adults got sick from the vaccine too and didn't seem to matter, right? So, but your point taken, people are very overprotective with their kids. I'm sure there would have been... People got sick from the vaccine. What do you mean by that? See, I, I, I wasn't trying to go down this road, bro. But you, what I'm referring listen, to... Listen, your ass took a turn there, though. You can't just say that. <laughs> I wasn't taking a well, I wasn't really taking a turn. I was really responding to something you said. What I'm referring to is people that took the vaccine and got side effects from it. That's what I'm referring to. Which some people might have supposedly had longer-lasting effects. Some people had just temporary you know, things going on, what have you. So... I partially agree with you when it comes to people might have been freaking out if a kid got sick. I get that. I'm definitely glad that there was at least some portion of society in which they might have done some more research when it comes to, to the safety of this for kids or five. My issue with it has always been, and still is, that for the people that are adults, how much research that they have of this particular vaccine before they gave it to those adults. So... But one point you made uh, before and also today is that, yes, it's definitely great for this to get done for these kids, especially those who are five years old, because now they're going into preschool. Their first experience with school, they've never been in school before. Now they're going. Or those kids are going to kindergarten, whatever. So before they're just sitting home around mommy all day and them getting vaccinated may not have been as big, big of a deal. But now they're going to be exposed to other kids who undoubtedly also are going to be exposed to COVID. 
this is, I agree with you. This is great for that aspect of it. I didn't think about that before until you brought it up the other day. So good point that you just made there. Also, we're talking about this now, and I, I've also said on air, as well as to you, that I didn't plan on talking about COVID again until one or two things happened. Either we go back into, into lockdown again, which we kind of figured wasn't going to happen based off the you know vaccines being in place, which I get that. But then also not talking about it again until we saw an official end to COVID, probably as determined by the CDC, who are, the, again, the masters of, of this, apparently, in more ways than one, if you listen to conspiracy theories. But... Um, but that's important too, because I, I did in my reading of all this, when it comes to the kids getting able to get the vaccine, that's one thing they mentioned. Uh, this could be the final step in us basically eradicating COVID-19 and being completely 100% done with it. Even though people pretty much already were done with it as it is, whether you're vaccinated or not. But yeah, it's definitely a big step. Um, I think I've even mentioned to you, you know, way, way, way back when, when's this going to happen, you know? Um, but here it is, you know, it's a good day. And maybe by this time next year, if not before, we will actually be able to say that COVID-19 is no longer a thing and it's, and it's over and done with. Yeah. I think it's just going to be a thing where you're not going to have people like Jason. I've had people in my, in my life, um, simply state that they weren't comfortable going places until there was a vaccination available for ch their children that this age. People are actually scientists. So I think that's an important distinction. These are not crackpots. These are motherfuckers that are actually <laughs> in the scientific community. They've done their research and they weren't comfortable. Now, even for the even if you aren't uh uh Walter White <laughs> um or or a recent more educated facsimile uh, thereof. I think you're going to see people more, I think starting with the summer and I think starting with school year in the fall, I don't think COVID-19 is going to be eradicated. Oh, I mean, it will be eventually. It will be. I don't think that it will be eradicated. What I think what will happen is, is that we will be able to mitigate its effect on our society. You know, instead of, let me finish, instead of having like entire, you know, lockdowns, entire school closings, entire Broadway productions shut down, it's going to be um, far less dire. It will have, you know, even some of the, you know, the over-the-counter medications uh, for handling the, the symptoms and shit, those, I think, will be improved as well. Um, and that's why I'm saying it won't be as dire and scary for a lot of people, whether they have children that are five and under or not. Because, you know, when I hear eradicate, I kind of hear when people... I feel like when I hear the, the term eradicate, I feel like the same way when people say we need to eradicate poverty. We need to eradicate the racism. You can't get rid of these things 100%. You can make it so that it doesn't fuck up your day or your life as much as it did, let's say, two years prior. First of all, and I know you're not playing the comparison Olympics here. 
But yeah, there's a huge difference in eradicating racism and poverty and actually eradicating a disease. Okay. Um, but point taken. There's a pill for one of those. <laughs> it's not racism. <laughs> well, well, there's a pill for racism, but I'm not. But it's not in pill form. But I, well, that's a segment for a different show. But, um, but uh, I know what you're referring to is more so to the fact. But I think we've already gotten well. For the majority, the vast majority of the United States, at least. I think we've already gotten to the point to where, at least in the minds of, again, that vast majority, that's not dire anymore anyway. Because, again, everything you just mentioned has already been happening. Or rather, it doesn't happen anymore. There's nothing getting shut down anymore. No no, no events or activities are getting canceled because of COVID anymore. In the, in, the, in the United States, it's not happening anymore. We've already got to that point, even before the five-year-old and youngers were getting vaccinated. Now it's just more, this, more so to the point, yeah, it's not going to happen anymore. But the whole thing about it being dire, again, people have already forgotten about COVID already. Most people, largely, largely not still catching it. And it's still around. I'll admit that. Obviously, there's somebody I know personally here in Indianapolis who got it recently, even though they were in Chicago when they, when they got it. But still, so obviously it's still traveling. So, uh, but, but again, most people have moved past it until they're actually probably still catching it. So. Is that um, why you ain't coming to Chicago, Jay? No, but that's a good that's a good that's a good um, good reminder <laughs> though. So thank you. But but put put that as another reason why right now I'm not coming to Chicago yet. So um, that's, that's 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 why that's why we can't get something on the schedule for me to visit Indy. You worried about you worried I'm gonna bring the COVID? <laughs> Add that as another reason why you why why you ain't coming to Indy. So there you go. Check mark. Check mark. Like, like I, you can come to Indy if you want to, but we're going to have, like, some distance. Like, you can stand over there. I'll be over on this side of the street. You'll you, be on the other corner. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't uh, know you. You don't know me. No, but, no. Uh, <laughs> I know that I do know you. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to pretend like you don't, so. <laughs> Sorry to this, man. I've never seen him in my life. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, but, but again, this was just another additional step for people to put COVID even further in the back of their minds, even though it was already there in the first place. Um, again, all the signs are there that people stop caring. But again, this is another reason for them, for them to stop caring. You get your kid vaccinated, they're going to stop caring. Now, folks, I'm not saying that you should stop caring about it. I'm not saying that. Jason Ross is not saying that. I'm just saying that that seems to be the case for a lot of people that I see, whether they be in public, gym, grocery store. I would say work, but I'm not going there. But very few people seem to care anymore. I'm starting to get that way myself. I'll admit that. I'm starting to. I feel like you've been apathetic for a while. And the only, well, thing, I would, the only thing I would caution you is to not project that on the rest of the populace. I'm not projecting anything. Now, I still cared about it. Just because I'm not vaccinated, that's one thing. Like I've said before. Well, we're going to bring that up. Well, I'm just saying that even when it comes to masking and distancing, I've softened on that a little bit as well. Not 100% yet, but I'm almost there. And, yeah, so I'm not around, you know, kids that are younger than five, so I'm not concerned about that. But, yeah, so, again, further step in the direction of getting past COVID-19. And here we are. Yes, sir. Congrats to the powers that be that got this done. All right. Folks, that concludes our third and final segment on 
COVID vaccinations available for kids five and under. And with that said, we'll wrap up the show. Thank you for listening to the Calpar Bros Podcast with your hosts, Terrence and Jason. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave us a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback and show topics at calpartbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at calpartbros.com. You can also reach us on the Calpart Bros voicemail, old school phone style, 405-877-2767. That's 405-877-BROS. Who knows? Your message is going to end up on a future episode of this year's podcast. Mr. Ross, final thoughts for the people. Final thoughts are, man, hey, that was a great episode. I think we both can acknowledge the energy we brought for that show. Got some good laughs in there. Even with those tough subjects, we had some good laughs. So that was pretty good. We got to keep doing that, bro. Again, orange shirt. Keep it up. But, folks, hopefully you enjoyed that episode. And remember, we do drop our audio episodes every Thursday. Comparebros.com. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, I keep saying this, as of right now, we still drop our video segments. Exactly. We still drop our video segments every Monday on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Check those out. We just dropped episode 62 yesterday, Monday, 27th. It's out. But folks, we are we can tell that you're being very good Cowboy Bros stalkers and Cowboy Bros nerds. We thank you. You're definitely part of the Cowboy Bros fam. And we love you for it. Keep that up. We can see it. But now it's that time of the night, folks. The time we all love. It's time for the catchphrase, the hashtag, and the line. Say it with me. When it comes to all things Cal Fire Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? That's right. With that said, this is Cal Fire Bros signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, why wouldn't you?